Luke chapter 9, and we're going to read from verse 10 onwards. Luke chapter 9, from verse 10 onwards. And the apostles, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. Then he took them and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. The apostles, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. Then he took them and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. Jesus Christ, when he does something, he does it with a purpose. He is intentional in his doing. Our God is intentional in his doing. When the apostles came back and they said, Lord, these are all the things that happened. And excited, with excitement when they tell Jesus Christ, he said, okay, let's go. Let's go to a deserted place. God took them to a deserted place with a purpose. The Holy Spirit is speaking at this hour. Every stop, every pause is with a purpose. Every stop, every pause is with a purpose. Every stop, every pause is with a purpose. If Jesus stops at a place, it is with a purpose. Even if it is a deserted place. Even if it is a deserted place. Even if it is a deserted place. In your life. In my life. When God says, Oh, something glorious just happened. Full of excitement. God has done marvelous things in our lives. And we just shared a testimony. And we're so happy that God did all these things. God says, okay, now I'm going to take you to a deserted place. We don't say, Lord, why a deserted place now? We're so happy. Let's go to the sea. Why a deserted place now? Let's go and do more ministry. Why a deserted place now? Why a deserted place now? Every pause, every stop, every place that our God takes us to and through is with a purpose. We may go to a spiritual high. When you are in a spiritual high, from there God will say, I'm going to take you to this place now. Are we ready to go? Where Jesus said, I will take you to. It is important for us to go to the place where God wants us to go to. It is important to be where God wants us to be. It is important, it is important, it is important. Hallelujah. God, the Lord Jesus Christ, took the disciples to a deserted place after they came. After they came from doing the will of God. After they came and told Jesus Christ all the things that they had seen. Whatever they saw. Whatever they saw, they came and told. They came and gave a good report. They came and gave this report to Jesus. They said, Lord, this happened, 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 this happened. Jesus said, okay. What's next on my calendar? Let's go and do this here. God says, I'm going to take you to this place. Let's go. Every pause, every stop, every valley, every desert has a purpose in our life. You know what that purpose is? Anytime he takes us to a separate place, anytime it looks like a valley, oh Lord, why a valley? Oh, I am valley full of dry bones. Oh, Lord, I can't stand this fight. Oh, my Lord, I hate skeletons. Oh, I don't like seeing these things. Oh, the stench of this place. I can't stand. 
We have to learn to be where God wants us to be. Even if it means a desert. If you take me to the desert, I will go. If you take me through the river, I will go. You know, a lot of times it's easier to sing. People usually sing, I will go, I will go, I will go. And then when God takes us through the path, we say, what did I sing? Did I sing it, right? Sometimes people don't even remember that they sang. They say, what kind of a place is this, Lord? I never thought that you would take me to this place. As if we are in the planning process. God never invited us to plan with Him. We must always remember. A lot of times we ourselves put ourselves in that place and say, Lord, let me plan for you. Lord, I will help you in this. When we step out of the way, when we say, Lord, say a word to me, say a word to me. If you lead me, I will follow. And when we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, the place where he takes us to, there's a prophecy from the living God. The place that he takes us through can be a desert. The place that he takes us through can be a valley. The place that he takes us through can be a fiery furnace. The place that he takes us through can be a place where we can't stand physically. But when he takes us through that path, or when he takes us to that path, it is for God to show his power. It's for God to show us his power. He takes us to the desert place. Now what did he do? He say, well, let's go to the desert. And as soon as they go to the desert, he says, let's see what we can do here. Now I'm going to make you all happy now. God wants to be, God wants to make us happy, but that's not first on his agenda. Understand that. He wants us to be happy. Do you know what? He wants us to be healthy first. God wants you to be healthy first. God is interested in your spiritual well-being first. If you are healthy, then you are going to be happy. So God wants your spiritual health to prosper. In order for our souls to prosper, He will take us to certain places and He will say, Look, I'm taking you here to show you my power, to show you my glory, to show you who I am, that you can depend on, for you to trust me, so that wherever you go, you can always count on me. Your faith may not fail. In short, God takes us to the valley, God takes us to the desert, God takes us to the mountain, God takes us through the river, God takes us to the fire, but He puts us right in front of the Red Sea. For what? To build your faith. Understand this. Our faith is very important. The just shall live by faith. We make it to heaven by faith. Our faith must grow. We go from faith to faith. Our faith has to grow. So in order for the faith to grow, he will put us in places where our faith can grow. So if he takes you to a desert, understand this, this is a place where my faith is going to grow. Where your faith is going to grow. That means he will put you in a place where it will stretch you. How can I say grow? If you don't get into a situation where your faith is not going to be tested. Before God can expand you, God will confine you. This is the word of the Most High God. Before God can expand you, God will confine you. Only when you are confined, you will know the glory of expansion. 
Even when you have everything, you won't appreciate it. When you lose something, when you have your refrigerator working all the time, you take it for granted. Right? You know your milk is there, your eggs are there, and whatever you keep in there is there. But once something happens to your refrigerator and it's not working, what happens? You miss that dear old refrigerator. All of a sudden you feel like, oh, I don't have it. And you really miss it. And then when you get one, you really are so thankful. Now you know the value of it. In the kingdom of God, it is more than that. It is more than missing something. This is about growing. This is about growing in faith. This is about God doing something substantial. Because that faith that God builds in you in that desert will cause you to triumph in the next season that God has for you. That's how we go from faith to faith. That means from one trial to the next, from the next trial to the next, the Spirit of God takes us in. What does He do? He builds your faith. It's called the most holy faith. You know why? Because it comes from the most holy God. So His faith, He imparts into us. And then He takes us and He says, I'm going to put you here so that you see my power. When we see the power of God, what happens to us? When you see the power of God, your faith grows. The Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. How much more? Seeing. When you see God in action, imagine what will happen to your faith. That faith gets boosted. That faith gets amplified. That faith gets multiplied. God took these people, his disciples. God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, took them and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. The purpose. You think Jesus didn't know what was going to happen? He knew very well what he was going to do. He knew very well that these people are going to come. He took his disciples. This lesson was not for the common people. It was for the disciples. If you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, then every place that God is taking you through, every confinement that you may face, every restriction you may face, every pain you may face, every agonizing situation you may face, every dark place you may face, understand this. It is for God to grow your faith. It is for God to expand you. It is for God to grow you. It is for God to prosper you. God is speaking to our hearts of desire. He took the disciples and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. Now let's go to verse 11. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him and he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. So he sat there and he continued his work, fully knowing what he was going to do. He took his disciples there, fully knowing what he was going to do. He took them there and he continued his work as if he was doing it, the same way he was doing it somewhere else. No change. He always healed, he always preached, he always delivered, and he's doing the same thing, but there's a difference here. What he's going to do is something new. What Jesus was about to do is something that the disciples never saw before. When God takes us to a new place, when God takes us to an experience where we've never experienced before, we say, God, I never thought I would ever go through this. 
I never thought my life would ever become like this. Not because of sin, but because of walking with God. God says, it's because you're going to experience the glory of God that you never experienced before. Isn't that beautiful? You experience the glory of God that you never experienced before when you go through trials that you've never experienced before. God takes us to the valley so to show Ezekiel what the hand of the Lord can do. The hand of the Lord brought Ezekiel to the valley full of dry bones to cause Ezekiel to impart life into those bones, to raise a mighty army for the living God. It can be a valley, it can be a desert. Whatever path God is taking you to, whatever path God is taking you through, whatever path God is taking you for, understand, it is with a purpose, and that purpose is to build your faith. And that faith is very important because it is your faith that will take you to the other side. It is your faith that will keep you in the kingdom of God. And it is your faith that will take you to the other side. So God's work is to make you stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger in faith. You know, this is life. And in this life, with the faith that God has given, you'll have light winds. You know, when you see a little plant that is growing, light winds come, it'll just wobble. But heavy winds come, it'll fall. The trials are different types of winds with different currents and with different strength. God will allow exactly according to what you can withstand, but your roots must grow strong underneath through the Word. And as God brings us to different seasons in our lives, with the Word growing in, the roots growing strong. And when the winds are against us, we will have the strength to beat the winds down, not the other way around. And we will be able to stand before the living God with our faith increased even more. And when we are taken from that place and put in the next place, when stronger winds come, because our faith grew here, we can withstand the winds that come from here. Then, because our faith grew here, because we see how big our God is and what God did for us, our faith gets stronger. And from here, we go to the next place. We face stronger winds, but you know what? We don't fall. Why? Because our faith grew here. I pray that God will help you to understand. Every time God places you in a place, He places you in that place to grow your faith. Your trials are meant not to crush you down when it's allowed by God, but it is to grow your faith because that's when you look up, you look up, you look up. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. Every time I look up, there is this power of God that comes down. Your faith gets stronger because you see all the impossible situations. Your faith gets stronger because you see how God came through in that impossible situation. Huh? From here, you are taken to the next level. And stronger winds come. But you don't fall. You know why? Because your faith got strengthened in the previous step. So it's not like you sit over there and you wobble and somehow, no. He strengthens you and he puts you in the next place. And there, your faith gets tested. And because you receive the strength in the previous step, here you're able to withstand. And every time you withstand, something happens. What happens? Your faith grows. It grows more. God does miracles in every step that God places. Wherever the winds come, you see Jesus stand up and do something. He'll either open the rivers for you, or he'll make you walk on the river, or he'll stand up and he'll look at the storm and he'll say, shut up and sit down. He'll do anything. 
But each time, it's something new. Each time, it's something different. God is speaking to our hearts today. Every time we go through something, it has a definite purpose marked out by God. And the main purpose, the most important purpose, is for God to bolster your faith. It's for God to grow your faith stronger. It's for God to make your legs strong, your spiritual muscles strong. So anytime you go through any kind of inconvenience, know that this is the place where my faith is going to grow. Hallelujah. This is the place where my faith is growing to grow. Because your faith is the most precious thing. You can lose everything, but not your faith. You can never let yourself shipwreck your faith. Understand that. Your faith is the most precious thing. It's the most precious faith. It's called the most precious thing. Most precious faith. You cannot afford to lose that. And God says, I am here to make you grow stronger and stronger and stronger in your faith. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. So he took them to the side, and in the deserted area, he's ministering, he's healing the sick, he's preaching, he's doing all these things. When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country, and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here, as if Jesus is known. Jesus knows. Jesus knows. Jesus knows. Anytime he takes us and he places us in a place, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. When Moses' mom, Jacobat, and her husband made this basket for Moses and put this baby Moses in that basket and put the basket in the Nile River, they trusted God and they knew that this basket will keep the baby safe. We don't see Moses crying and saying, well, what if there's a leak here? What if this doesn't withstand the currents of the water? What if a crocodile comes on top? No. You know why? The baby simply trusts them. It is not in a place where it can even reason. When we are in a place where we are not reasoning with God, but we simply say, I depend on you, we're in the best place. That's why Jesus said this. Except you are converted like this little child. You can never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Faith comes not by experience, but faith comes from God, who gives it to us when we trust Him. Faith doesn't come by our own experience, but faith comes from God, who gives it to us when we trust His Word and simply do that which He has called us to do. Now they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. I want to read verse uh, 13. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. And we're not going to go into this. We know this passage already. And we've heard messages from here. This is not the focus for this afternoon. The focus for this afternoon is God knew what he was going to do in the lives of these disciples. This whole story, this whole miracle happened mainly for the disciples, for their faith to grow. Whatever is happening in your life, whatever is happening in my life, my God knows. Our God knows. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's the one who takes us to the desert. 
He's the one who takes us to the river. He's the one who takes us before the Red Sea. He's the one who takes us before the Jordan River. He's the one who takes us through the fire. He's the one. He knows what he's about to do in your life. Do you believe that? Do you believe God knows what he's about to do in your life? Do you believe that? Do you believe that your God is about to do something in your life and he knows about it? Do you know about that? God is speaking of desire. Do you know that God is about to do something in your life? He knows that. Do you know that? Are you aware of what God is about to do? If I'm not aware of what he's about to do, then I'm going to sit and wail and weep my way through the path and miss everything. But if, if I know that he's about to do something, and the most important thing is strengthen my faith. Strengthen my faith. Strengthen my faith. Strengthen my faith. You know what? If your shield of faith is really strong, you really have a very, very powerful tool. And your faith is really, really strong. No matter what the enemy does to shoot at you, no matter what it may be, your faith will not fail. Because your shield of faith is really strong. From one stage to the other, as you grow, the smaller shield will go down, you get a bigger one. You go to the next one. When you pass here, you've been given a bigger faith, a bigger faith, a bigger faith, as you keep walking with Jesus, as you move from one place to the other, wherever your path may be, do not give room to discouragement. Because discouragement is a tool of Satan. These people are asking, what can we do, Jesus? You brought us here. Now we're all sitting here, and it's gotten dark, and they all have to go, and there's no food over here. You see all the women, you see all the children, we see the babies, and we see families here, and how are they going to eat? Oh, you see, they're all hungry. The disciples are hungry, first of all. So they say, look, they're all hungry. You know how sometimes when someone, when someone needs something, they'll say, he needs it. We don't have need it. So like that, they're saying, Lord. They all need food. Let them all go. We do need to eat, but they don't have the courage to go and tell Jesus that. Is it? Look, they're all hungry. Send them away. Send them away. Jesus said, oh, no. We're not doing that. You give them something to eat. Look at their mindset. What do we have? What do we have? What do we have? You know, human mindset is all the time, generally speaking. When someone comes and asks something, or even you look at yourself, the first thing you look at is what you don't have, isn't it? Oh, I don't have this. Oh, I don't have this. Oh, I can't do this. But God is asking this question today. What do you have in your hand? The same question he asked Moses, he's asking you today. What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? Don't say, I don't have anything. How can this happen? How can this happen? Mary looked at the angel and she asked this question. A, a, a good question. How can this happen? He says, well, your body is there. That's enough. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. What do you have in your hand? The Spirit of the Lord is asking you. What do you have? What do you have? He looked at Moses and he asked this question. The Lord God Almighty from that burning bush, he said, what do you have in your hand, Moses? A rod, Lord, just a rod. Just a rod, he says, oh. That's more than enough. A rod in the hand of the Almighty God will do wonders. Will do wonders. It can turn the river into blood. It can do wonders. It can part the Red Sea. It can do wonders. Just a rod. Not an ordinary rod once it goes to the hands of the living God. 
What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? The Holy Spirit is asking this question. What can you do? What can you do for Jesus? What law can you do for Jesus? What do you have in your hand? Don't say, Oh Lord, I don't know, no, I don't have a talent, and you know I can do this, I can do this, I can do I can speak right, I can write right, I can sing right, I can play right, I can talk right, I can do anything right, Lord God. Really? Look really inside of you. Am I inside of you? God is asking this question. If Jesus is inside of you, if Christ is inside of you, you have something big inside of you. Hallelujah. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? What can you do for the kingdom of God? What can you do? God is looking at you and he's asking you this question. What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? Nothing, Lord. Nothing. Look at the worst thing. We have no more than five spirits. Lord, we have five loaves and two fish. No. Lord, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all these people. Common sense, you can't do that. But they're coming and making Jesus look like, mm, he doesn't know what he's talking about. God is speaking to us there. God calls you to do something. Don't say, Lord, I'm sorry I can't. Find someone else. It's an easy job for God to do. But because he loves you many times, he won't. He puts you in the belly of the whale. He puts you in the belly of that big fish. He says, are you going to do it or not? Because I love you, I don't want your call to be taken away by someone. Don't we have a good God? Thank God we have him. If God would have granted Jonah's wish and said, go, you fool, die. What would have happened to John now? He'd have gone straight to hell. He'd have gone straight to hell. But the mercies of God is whenever God loves. He gives his thinking. A good one with his loving hands. It'll never break a person. It'll make them think and repent before God and say, What have I done? Oh God. What do you have in your hands? What can you do? What can you do? Think about this. I pray that the Spirit of the living God help you to think all through this week. Think all through this week. What do I have in my hands? What do I have in my hands? Don't say anymore, I don't have anything. Don't say anymore, I can't do anything. Don't say anymore, I'm tired of life. Don't say anymore that this how much I can do, I can't do much, Lord. Don't say that. Because you can. You can. With what you have, with what God has given to you, first of all, even with five loaves and two fish is not their own. If God doesn't give the fish, they won't have it. If God doesn't give the rain, you won't have food. What they had in their hand was from God. And this is why Jesus did this beautiful thing. He took that what did he do? Did he say, oh, Father, I only have five loaves and two fish. And we are in a very different, uh, difficult, uh, impossible predicament. And we don't know what to do. But we believe in you. Can you do something about it? No. He took those five loaves and two fish. Me. Thank God. Hallelujah. Because he saw the five loaves and two fish more than enough, more than enough for our God to do something big. What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? God is asking you this question this afternoon. What do you have in your hand? Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? Don't say, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. Don't say those words. No more. They're not going to say anymore. That this is all I have. All oh, this poor little me and this poor little me can't do much for you, Lord. 
When I become a big little me, and <laughs> at that time, big little me. When I become a big little me, at that time, I'll do something for you. God says, well, keep your big little you to yourself. What little you you have, bring that to me. Because that's when God can do something. When we come to God and say, Lord, I just give myself to you. When we come to God and say, Lord, five loaves and two fish you've given to me. Thank you, 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 Lord. I have five loaves and two fish. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Are we willing to thank Him in our ups and downs? Are we willing to thank Him for what He has given? Because if He had not given, we wouldn't have those five loaves and two fish to begin with. What He has given, we thank Him. And we say, Lord, one rod is enough. Lord, five loaves and two is enough. What you've given is enough. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take what you gave and I'm going to give it to your hand and say, God, you can do all things. You can do all things. God brings us to a desert. God brings us to a confinement. God brings us to a place of emptiness. God brings us to a place where we have the last portion like the widow of Zarephath said. I only have this much oil left. I only have this much flour left. And after this last meal, we're going to die. God didn't send Elijah that she had a little more for a week. No. He sent Elijah when she had the last portion. Know why? Because that's enough for God to do big things. God can do big things. God wants to do big things in your life. God wants to do big things in your life. What you have in your hand, God says, He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or imagine. Whatever is in your hands, God says, when you give it into God's hands, sanctified by God Almighty, it will turn into something supernatural that will bless multitudes. God wants to use you to bless multitudes. No matter how impossible it may appear. Just like these disciples. Who saw Jesus do so many things. But in their minds. Yes he raised the dead. Yes you opened the eyes of the blind. But this area. No. We probably have to go out and get food for all these people. And how can we go and carry all those food and bring it here. 5,000 people. More than 5,000 people. Don't think like how the world thinks. Think like how God thinks. You don't have to go outside to bring something inside. You bring God inside and God will bring that what you need. It's the prophetic word from God. When you bring God to where you are, and when you give what you have into the hands of God and say, Lord, this is the world I have. Lord, five loaves and two fish I have. I thank you for giving this to me. I have this, Lord. And I offer it to you. Whatever you have in your hands, whatever place God you God has you at this hour, give it to God. Give it to God. Give it to God. No excuses. Tell yourself no excuses anymore. If I can speak, if I can praise Him, if I can sing to Him where I am. In the valley I was saying hallelujah. In the storm I was saying hallelujah. I know I can worship him. Can we do that? Even if we're not able to do anything, we can speak and we can worship him. In the midst of whatever we may be going through. Can we do that? In the midst of the impossible situation, if you know that you can use your mouth, you can use your hand, raise your hand, and worship Him, and exalt Him, and believe, God, you have done so much. Now you've given me these words. 
Everything can be taken away from me. But if I can praise you, if I can worship you, I can just give that to God. You know what God will do? He will do wonders in your life. His presence will come down. You know why? That will become like the widow's two mites that went up to God. She had nothing. She had those two mites and she said, I'm going to put that in the ashram now. I don't care what anybody will think. If they think that, oh, goodness, what a disgrace. She could have just sat there. Why should she have to come and put that in there? She didn't think about anyone. She said, this is what I have. I'm going to give it to God. And Jesus was standing there. He was looking at every single person who gave. And he looked at her and he said, she gave more than everyone who gave. When we are in a place where we're not able to do anything, you feel like your hands are tied, your feet are tied, everything is tied. We can do one thing. Open our mouth and worship Him. Open our mouth and praise Him. Open our mouth and glorify Him. Open our mouth and say, These five loaves and two fish I'm giving, Lord, I have ten fingers I can clap. I have two hands I can clap. I have mouth I can sing. I can worship you in the midst of the impossible situation. I can praise you. Hallelujah. I can tell someone what Jesus did for me yesterday. I can tell someone what Jesus is doing for me at this moment. See, you may be in a storm. You may be facing a storm. You may be in the boat. And you may be looking at the storm. Do you know what? When you look at the storm, you lose your sight and Jesus. But when you look at Jesus, you take your focus off the storm. Do you know that? When you look at the face of Jesus, you lose your focus off the storm. You know why? The peace that is upon his face will come to you. You too will become like him. You're not going to be agitated. You're not going to be agitated at your situation. But if you look at the storm, then you will not look at Jesus. And when someone comes and says, Oh my God, what kind of a life are you living? Look at all the storm that is around you. Look at everything that is happening around you. And you can say one thing. Well, I have Jesus in my boat. See the focus? You can say, Oh my Lord, yes, that's true. I'm going through the storm and all these things are happening to me. Poor me, oh me. I don't know what to do. I may drown. And when I drown, please know that I still believe in God. God is not looking for people like that. God is looking for people who say, while you are at the storm and someone comes and says, poor you, miserable you, and say, oh no, no, Jesus is here. I'm just waiting for him to do something. I'll tell you what he does, when he does, because he's going to do something. I'm excited about it. We have to be people of faith. We have to be people of faith. You know what? God is there. God is there. My God is there. In the boat, in the storm. Jesus is there. If we can have our eyes on Him, and we can say, yes, He is there. Oh, yes, I'm going through the storm, but you know what? He is there. When He does something big, because I know He's going to, I'll tell you that. I'll be sure to tell you that. We should be people who are looking at God, looking for Him to do something any moment of the day. God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, took the disciples to a deserted place because he wanted to do something there. He wanted to show forth his glory. He wanted to strengthen his faith so that their faith can carry them through. You know what? If you're strong enough, 
you can carry someone else. If you're strong enough, you can swim in the river and you can actually help a person who's drowning to come up. If you're strong, God will not only cause you to swim, God will not only cause you to walk, but He will help you to carry others on you. Your faith can be so strong that it can carry others. Hallelujah. God's faith is so strong it carries us. When we rely on Him and we receive more faith from Him and strength from Him, we become like Jesus. We can carry other people. Not only will we walk through our storm and share our testimony, but our faith in our life can touch multitudes, not one or two, multitudes. This is a word that God is giving to you. Whatever you may be going through, don't look at your situations, but know that Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. He's with you. Not to say that, oh, I'm with you and all ways unto the end of the earth and I'll just be standing with you looking at everything that you're going and say, well done, good and faithful servant. No, no, no. He will say, well done, good and faithful servant, but you're faithful to God. But there's much more than that. That itself is sufficient for us. But you know, He never stands, simply stands and just watch you suffer. He is there to do a miracle for you. My God is there to do a miracle for you. Every step of the way. If He takes you to the wilderness, He is about to do something there. If He takes you to the river, He is about to do something there. Tell me one passage from the Bible. Tell me one passage from the Bible. That God took His people to a place where there was an impossible situation and He just stood there and didn't do anything about it. Tell me one place. Do you know any place in the Bible where God didn't do anything in an impossible situation? No. Every impossible situation had a success story. All because of David and Goliath's story. We know what God did to Goliath and what God can do for us, for our Goliath in our lives. Isn't this faith carrying us? David's faith? God can use you just like that. Whatever storm you may be facing, whatever problem you may be going through, Know this for sure. God is there to not only stand by you, but to transform your faith and cause you to become strong in faith and thereby become a blessing to a multitude. God will do a miracle for you. Miracles are extraordinary things. Miracles are not, oh, God gave something good. No. Miracles can only come from God. Miracles supersede the natural laws. Miracles can only come from God. And when God stands next to you, and if He says, I'm taking to the desert, He's about to do a miracle for you. God will increase your faith and cause you to become strong in faith so that when you go to the next station, you will be able to withstand the next trial so that your faith can grow. Number two, your faith can carry others. You can become a blessing to multitudes. Shall we all stand up together? Hallelujah.